Amen. Well, it'd be my joy if you would join me in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and, and my prayer is, as it is every week when we open God's Word, that God's Word would not just show us more of God, not just show us more of Jesus, our Savior, but it would show us more of ourselves. That's a great prayer every time you open God's Word, is God, help me see not only you more clearly, but Lord, help me see myself. Help me see myself where I know, Lord, where I need to repent, where I need to turn back to Jesus. We read this in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. This Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that as we hear this story from the lips of Jesus, as we open your word today, that we would see not only you more clearly, but that we would see ourselves more clearly. Lord, that we would see the emptiness of our sins, that we would see the emptiness of even our righteousness, and that, Lord, we would see the enoughness of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would do what we just sang, that we would, through your word, behold him there, our risen lamb, the perfect, spotless righteousness. That we would see that our, our righteousness does not come from ourselves, but our righteousness only comes from Jesus Christ. So Lord, turn our eyes away from ourselves and on to Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you all. Um, thank you all for the food and for the prayers this week as my wife had surgery earlier this week. I want to thank you also for praying for my family. As some of my kids keep getting sick, seems like they keep drawing, dropping like flies. But, but I need even more prayer from you all this week. I need more prayer because two days after Halloween, my wife put up our Christmas trees. <laughs> two days after Halloween, my wife put up my Christmas trees, plural. We're not even talking about singular Christmas tree. We're talking about Christmas trees. So I guess uh, we can say this morning as the Parrot family that we 
clearly just love Christmas more than you. Like, we love Christmas, but we must love it a whole lot more than you. Our trees are probably up earlier than yours. Anybody beat October? Like, anybody, like, earlier? We have some people earlier? We have some people earlier. We'll pray for you all, too. Great. <laughs> we'll pray for you all. We can all do this, right? Not, not just put up our Christmas trees. I'm not saying that. We can all do this, though. We can all compare ourselves to other people. We can see ourselves as better than other people. We can always be trying to one-up one another. And so ask yourself this morning, ask yourself, how do you see yourself this morning? How do you see yourself this morning? How do you see yourself before God and how do you see yourself compared to other people? How do you see yourself before God? And how do you compare yourself to other people? Because Jesus tells this story, it says in our passage, to those people who trusted in their righteousness before God and treated other people with contempt. Saw themselves better than other people. So ask yourself this morning, how do you see yourself before God and before others? Do you see yourself more like this Pharisee or do you see yourself more like the tax collector? Are you someone who comes here today who who came not to the temple but to this church trusting in your own righteousness or is your only hope in the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Do you see yourself as above others or, or better than others? When you compare and see yourself compared to others, do you see yourself as better or do you see yourself as the chief of sinners? I pray this morning that this story, this story from Jesus, would help us see ourselves more clearly than we have before we came in here. That we would see clearly through this passage, through two people with two different postures and two different prayers and two different positions before God, that we would see ourselves this morning. We would see our desperate need for a Savior, Jesus Christ, for His blood and His righteousness. First of all, this morning, we see two people in this story. We have two people in the story. Jesus tells a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, the Pharisee represents the most pious people of all, the most religious people in town. They were the holier-than-thou, there-every-Sunday type people. He would have been so set apart from all other people. Pharisees, the religious people, these Pharisees would be seen as not only people who know the law better than anybody, they would have kept the law better than anybody. So not only did other people see them lifted up, see them as the Pharisees as above them. Well, I'm sure he started to see himself that way. Well, then we have a tax collector. 
The tax collector is the most hated person in town, probably, with the most hated profession in the whole empire. Why is this? Well, he was a pawn for the Roman government. He was used by the Roman government to, to do their dirty work. And the Jewish people, so when the Jewish people would walk down the street and see the tax collector, the first thing that came to their mind was that guy is a traitor. That guy's a traitor. He's betrayed his own people. He takes advantage of his own people. He does not care about us. So everybody would see the tax collectors as the, the scum of the earth. And I'm sure he started to see himself that way, too. It's easy to do, isn't it? This is easy. To, it's, it's easy to start seeing yourself like other people see you. For it to start shaping your own identity. Shaping how you see yourself. So if people start praising you for, for knowing the law... Or praising you for your good performance, or, or people applauding you because of your gifts, because of your knowledge, because of how good you are. Well, you might start reading those press clippings. You might start believing that about yourself, too. While if people see you as a failure, if they define you by your sins, you start to believe that, too. Brothers and sisters, the most important thing about you is how God sees you. The most important thing about you is not about what anybody in this world says about you. It's about what God says about you. What he declares about you. So we have two people, one Pharisee, one tax collector. Next, we have two postures, two different Postures. Notice we find the Pharisee, he's standing in the middle of the temple. Now this isn't odd. It's not odd for people to stand up. It's not odd for people to pray in the temple. But if you notice his prayer, without hesitation, without reservation of what other people might think, the, the Pharisee's prayer is like he's blasting this boasting for everybody to hear. He's proud. He's bragging about all that he's done. His posture is one of being proud. He's probably standing in the inner court of the temple. The inner court, which is just for the Jews, and he's standing in the middle as a sign that he's better than everyone else. He's filled with so much self-confidence in his own self-righteousness it wouldn't be surprising if he would have just walked into the Holy of Holies. The way he's acting is like, surely God's happy to have me here today. Surely God would be glad to see me in the Holy of Holies. But, but check out the posture of the tax collector. The tax collector is quite the opposite. He, he's standing far off. He can't even lift his eyes up to, to heaven. He has zero confidence in himself. Zero hope in his enoughness, in his righteousness. He comes with nothing to impress God with. 
He's covered in shame. He's covered in shame. That's why he's standing far off from everybody else. Because he thinks to himself, you know what? I just don't belong here. I don't belong here. That's what shame makes you feel. It makes you feel like you're worthless. Makes you feel rejected. Makes you feel out of place. Like, like you're an outcast. Like you don't belong here. Listen how to the, the, the message translation puts this. It says the tax man slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up. Some of us have been there. Some of us are there this morning. You, you wish more than anything that you could hide in the shadows. Too broken to look up because of your sin. Too, you don't want anybody to see you, to really know you. You definitely don't want God to see you. You're hiding in the shadows. So while the self-confident Pharisee struts with swagger into the temple because of his self-righteousness, the tax collector just comes empty-handed, empty-hearted, standing far off, beating his chest because of sorrow for his sin. He's not even daring to look up. He's ashamed. Listen, there is no place for self-righteous swagger in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as self-confidence when standing before a holy God. Do you hear that? There is no place for self-confidence when standing before a God who's holy, a God who is righteous, a God who is perfect. What are you going to display before God? What are you going to bring before God that's going to earn His favor? As commentator Leon Morris says, he writes this, No one has anything which he can boast before the Lord. Do you believe that this morning? No one has anything which they can boast before the Lord. So we have two people, two radically different postures, and then two Radically different prayers. This is the most important part of all. The, the Pharisees standing in the middle of the temple. He's, he's filled with self-confidence. It's like overflowing. The, the, the passage literally could be trans translated like this. The Pharisee standing prayed to himself. He's praying to himself about himself. Not even really praying to God at all. One commentator says, it's like he glances at God and then he contemplates himself. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He, he glances at God and then he contemplates himself. He's, he's meditating on me. It's, it's what Brian Regan calls a me monster. You never seen that clip on YouTube? You're welcome this afternoon. The me monster. It's the person who's always bragging about themselves. 
always pointing to himself, always talking about herself, always one-upping your story no matter what your story is about. But the audacity in this story is that the Pharisee is standing in the temple, and he's not doing this before people. He's doing this before a holy God. He's bragging and boasting meditating on me in the presence of a holy God. Listen to his prayer, verses 11 through 12. Listen to this prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. It's like... It's like he's praying, God, I'm thank you that I'm such a great guy. God, I am so thankful that I'm so much better than everybody else. God, aren't you glad that, that you have me on your team? Or, or, or maybe you're on my team, God. I don't know. Who, who knows? That's his self-confident, self-righteous heart. And notice the two things that he does in his prayer, the two that we talked about earlier. Look at how he compares himself to others and how he trusts in his own righteousness before God. Look how he compares himself to others and how he trusts in his own righteousness before God. First, he sees himself as above and better than and more worthy than all other people. He says, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. I thank you that I'm not like those sinners, like those extortioners, like those who are unjust, those adulterers, not even like that tax collector who's hiding over there, but we all see him. This is what it means when it says in verse 9 that they treat other people with contempt. They despise, they reject other people. This is the definition I I found for contempt. The feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving scorn. It's to reject and despise other people, just like the religious leaders and the Roman soldiers rejected and despised Jesus. That's what you're doing in your heart when you look down on others. Listen, to have contempt but towards other people, this is what it really hit home to me this week. It's to have the feeling that other people are beneath me. It's to have the feeling that other people are beneath me, less than me, not quite as good me. I really want us to check our hearts this morning, to, to see if that feeling is in our own hearts. Because, see, you can be all about community. You can be so friendly on the surface. You, you can come in here this morning, and you can look so joyful on the outside, always welcoming others on the outside. While in your heart, you're saying, you know what? He's not as faithful as I am. He's never going to be as solid a Christian as me. 
Sure, maybe, maybe you wouldn't say these things out loud. Maybe you would never pray them to God, but your heart might say, she's not as welcoming as me. She doesn't care about people. She doesn't love people like I do. They're family. They, they don't care about church like me. They don't care about Jesus like we do. Nobody cares like us. They're not as busy as me, as hospitable as me, as joyful as me, as sacrificial as me. He doesn't know the Bible like me. He doesn't love the nation's missions like me. He doesn't pray as much as I do. She doesn't give as much as me. She doesn't show up or perform like me. She's not as righteous as me. Listen, brothers and sisters, be careful. Be careful when you start seeing people beneath you because you start to see that you're beyond the need for grace. You don't see yourself as desperate for grace. It is a dangerous place to be when you think someone else needs the grace of God more than you do. When you think someone else needs Jesus more than you. And it makes sense because when you think of someone as less than you, as less loving than you, less sacrificial, less caring than you, you might think that thing that you think is they're less than than you, that might be the thing that you think makes you enough. That might be what you think makes you righteous before a holy God. That place where other people don't quite measure up, that just might be your self-righteousness. So let me warn you this morning, how you see yourself compared to others might just reveal how you see yourself before God. How you see yourself compared to others might just reveal how you see yourself before a holy God. Next, after he compares himself to others, he then displays his self-confidence in his good works. He, he presents his best performance to God, the best that he has. Look at verse 12. It says, God, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. See, the, the law only called for someone to fast one, one time a year. The law only calls for Jews to fast on the Day of Atonement. But, but he's boasting, look, I fast twice a week. I go above and beyond everyone else. The law also called for people to tithe on what they earn, but he's boasting, you know what, I tithe on everything. The Pharisees would boast that they tithe on, on salt, on spices, on herbs. On, that, look, look, I tithe on the smallest of things shows that I'm righteous before God. And yet, if we're not careful, we can do the same thing too. If, we, if we're not careful, we can come to this table. We, we can come to this service with our songs. We can come in here this morning resting all our confidence in our own performance before God. I'm here every week 
I never miss a Sunday. I, I read my Bible faithfully every single day. I, I never miss. I, I give faithfully to the church. I share the gospel with others. I pray all the time. I serve faithfully in the nursery. I, I changed two diapers last week back there. And we can boast in our own performance. You know, back in the day, I think I can say that now that I'm 40. Back in the day, they used to have offering envelopes. I think we have a picture of them. We, we used to have offering envelopes in the churches that you could just keep records, right? I brought my Bible, I read my Bible, studied my lesson. Look how many visits, look how many contacts that I've made. Things like, how many people did you reach out to last week? It's, it's a way that we can keep score as Christians. I mean, when you think about that, it's crazy. It's almost like they read this verse and said, you know what? We could do that on our offering envelopes. We could do that. But ask yourself this morning, what is your confidence before the Lord? Is it self-confidence? Is there any self-confidence? I talk to people all the time if I'm sharing the gospel and I might ask them this question, why do you think that you will go to heaven? Why do you think that you will go to heaven? And more times than not, the response is something like, well, because I'm a pretty good person. Because I go to church. Because I try really hard. I had a neighbor the other day tell me, it's because I perform better than my sister. This is all self-confidence. It's all self-confidence. And listen, self-confidence in your self-righteousness is self-deception that leads to hell. I want you to hear that warning. Self-confidence in your self-righteousness is just self-deception that will lead to hell. Unless you have perfect, spotless righteousness to display before God, then you have no hope in yourself. But look at the opposite of this prideful Pharisee. The opposite of this prideful Pharisee is the prayer of a broken, humble tax collector who can't lift his eyes to heaven, who can barely lift up his voice and all he can get out is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, do you see how he sees himself differently than the Pharisee? He sees himself before God, and he compares himself different to others than the Pharisee. The tax collector knows he has nothing to bring before God. There's no fasting. There's no tithing to... There's no amount of good works that he can come before God and, and impress the Lord with. 
He has no good works that could bear the weight of all his sin. No perfect prayer, no perfect performance that could cover all his shame. All he has to bring before the Lord is his sin. That's all he has to bring to the Lord is his sin. And so he cries out for mercy. Lord, have merciful. Be merciful to me. Literally, he's asking, Lord, atone for my sin. Show me, show me your mercy. I have nothing to offer you. I need mercy. I need your mercy. Lord, don't give me the punishment I do deserve. Give me the mercy and grace that I don't. That's what he's praying. Lord, don't give me the punishment I do deserve. Give me the mercy and grace that I don't. Ed Welch says, the hardest thing for sinners to bring to God is nothing. It's the hardest thing for sinners to bring to God. It's nothing. When we have nothing to bring to God, nothing to offer God, absolutely nothing that can earn our salvation, nothing that we have done that can impress Him, our only hope is to receive mercy from Him. Your only hope is to receive mercy from Him. Our only hope is not our own self-righteousness. No, we need a righteousness outside of ourself. Listen, the best offering that you could bring to God this morning, the best prayer you could bring to God this morning is your bankruptcy, is your nothing is your desperation, is your hopelessness that you've come to the end of yourself and you see that you're not enough. But notice the other thing. Notice how he compares himself to others. Notice how he doesn't see anybody beneath him. Listen, he prays this, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. A better translation would be this. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Be merciful to me, the sinner. See, the tax collector sees his sin so clearly. Fills his own rebellious heart so deeply that he could not imagine Anybody as sinful as him. He couldn't imagine anyone more desperate with him than him. That's why he says, be merciful to me, the sinner. The sinner. This is what true humility and brokenness look like. Instead of seeing people beneath you, you see yourself at the bottom. You see yourself the most desperate. When you see yourself rightly, when you see yourself clearly, you see that my only hope is mercy. I see myself most desperate for mercy. This is what the Apostle Paul felt. This is what 
even at the end of his life. Think about this. At the end of his life, this is what he told his young disciple, Timothy. He says this in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says this, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the greatest sinner I know. Paul saw himself as the chief of sinners. The tax collector saw himself as the sinner. So how do you see yourself before God this morning? As a pretty good guy? As a nice lady? As as better than most people? Better than most people, you should go to my family reunion. I'm better than most. Or do you see yourself as the most desperate sinner in the most desperate need for mercy? Because this goes for every single person in here. This goes for every single one of us in here this morning. If you really saw your sin clearly, if you really felt your brokenness deeply, your desperation, your empty handiness, your, your nothing before a holy God, your heart would cry out, be merciful to me, the sinner. Be merciful to me, the sinner. It's amazing what this kind of humility, this kind of brokenness where you see yourself as the sinner, where you see yourself the most desperate for grace, the most needy for mercy. It's amazing what this true humility could do for a marriage. It's amazing what kind of, this kind of humility could do in a family where you saw yourself as the greatest sinner in your home. It's amazing what this would do for a church where every single one of us saw, us as the mo- saw ourselves as the most desperate, as the most in need of Jesus. It's amazing what this would do for any relationship. Because when we see ourselves clearly, when we see our desperation before God, we don't see anybody else beneath us. We see ourselves at the bottom. We see ourselves desperate. For a Savior named Jesus. That leads us finally to the two positions. We have two different people with two different postures and two different prayers, which lead us to two different positions for the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus concludes a story like this in verse 14. He says, I tell you, this man. This tax collector went down to his house justified. He went down to his house declared righteous rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, the Lord is pleased this morning. He's pleased with the desperate prayer from the humble, and he rejects the prayer of the proud. 
The, the Pharisee who had all this hope in himself, in his self-righteousness. He came thinking he was full of his good works, but the Bible says he left empty. While the tax collector who had no hope in himself comes empty-handed, empty-hearted. He cries out for mercy, but he leaves declared righteous. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel, that it shows us clearly who we are before God and who we are before others. See, at the cross, we see that we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God. We see that we are all sinners who none of us are righteous, no, not one. All deserve punishment, all deserve God's wrath. Yet the good news of the gospel is what Jesus has done to take our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him who knew no sin. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made him who knew no sin. He made him sin. He, he treated him like he was the chief of sinners on the cross. So he could receive us as righteous. God the Father treated his only son like he was the chief of sinners on the cross so that he could receive you as righteous. If we would just repent of our sins, if, if we would just repent of our pride, if we'd repent of our self-righteousness, if we would repent of our idolatry, of our best works, and run to Jesus, that's our only hope. Listen, I said earlier, the only hope for any of us before a holy God is if we can present perfect, spotless righteousness to God. And none of us have that unless we believe in Jesus. Because in Jesus Christ, we receive the perfect, spotless righteousness that we could never earn, but only receive as grace, as a mercy from God. Really, there's only two options this morning. You can try to achieve your righteousness before God, or you can receive your righteousness in Jesus. That's the only two options for any of us. You can try to achieve your righteousness on your own before a holy God, or you can receive righteousness as a gift through the perfect Son of God. We sing it all the time. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. I don't trust in anything 
I don't trust in anything that I can do. I don't trust my best works. I don't trust in my giving. I don't trust in my love, my sacrifice, my best repentance. I don't trust in anything but Jesus. The, free, the most freeing place that you can ever get, the most freeing place you can ever be is when you quit trusting in your own righteousness, but trust completely in the righteousness of Jesus. That's what you, Eugene Peterson said is true freedom. When we quit looking at our own righteousness and we're fixated on the righteousness of Jesus. When all your hope in yourself comes crashing down and you collapse completely on the blood and the righteousness of Jesus. When you can quit trying to, to worry, to, when you can quit trying to impress God and everybody else because you know the Father is completely impressed with Jesus. And if your position is completely hidden in Jesus, then your Father delights in you. Now you can now walk freely and humbly before God. Walk freely and humbly before others because it's not about you. It's all because of Jesus. Your eyes are now off yourself and on Jesus. Brothers and sisters, he is our only hope. This morning, your only hope is not just to repent of your sin. It's also to repent of all your self-righteousness and to collapse completely on Jesus. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Jeremiah chapter 23. In Jeremiah chapter 23, we see this promise, this day that is coming when this one comes from the line of David. This one that we all know is Jesus Christ. And this is what it says. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. And Israel will dwell securely and this is the name by which we, he will be called. This is the name that we will call Jesus. The Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. That's our only hope of salvation. That's our only hope of ever dwelling securely. That's the only hope of ever being forgiven of our sins. It's our only hope when we stand before a holy God in heaven. It's not us walking into heaven saying, God, look at all my righteousness. Look at how I'm better than her or better than him. Look at my fasting. Look at my tithing. Look at my loving. Look at my caring. Look at all I've done. It's not to say, look at my righteousness. No, on that day, we will point away from ourselves and we will point to Jesus. And we will say, 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest thing, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, oh Lord, that you would again show us the emptiness of ourselves. Lord, not just the emptiness of our sin that could never satisfy us, our sin that we run after that we think is better than Jesus, but Lord, that we would run and repent of our self-righteousness. Lord, where we think we are good enough, where we have done enough, that we can impress you enough by what we have done, Lord, let us repent today of our sin and our self-righteousness and let us run to Jesus. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us, Lord, cast away all our hope in ourself and collapse completely on Jesus today. Because all too often, Lord, we hope in ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would allow us not to be deceived any longer but that we would run to Jesus, Lord. And, and we know, Lord, from your word this morning that you will be pleased when we cry out. Lord, you will be pleased when anyone cries out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. So, Lord, our sins are great. But, Lord, show us this morning Show us this morning, even in this moment, that your mercy is more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.